people who choose youth work are truly amazing individuals. These are people who care so deeply for our young people and have a real passion for service. My name is Paul Munir. I'm the executive director of YIPA, and I'll interview some of these youth workers from around the globe, and we'll figure out just what makes them tick and drives their passion. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hello, we're joined by Tapella Banda, and she is the founder of Zambian Albinism Matters Organization in Lusaka, Zambia. Tapella, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm so humbled to be on this platform. Well, it's great to have you here, and um, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, and um, you've got a bunch of incredible things to share with our listeners today. So. I'm excited to get going, but let's um, let's talk a little bit about what you do uh, right now uh, to to uh, introduce uh, your work. So you founded the Zambian Albinism Matters organization. Can you tell me what that is and um, what you actually do there? All right. So the Zambian Albinism Matters Organization is an organization that um, helps persons with albinism and vitiligo. And this organization was founded in 2017. I am the founder and director there. And um, we basically help children with albinism and mothers with children with albinism, and including those with vitiligo in society, taking back taking them back to school, having mentorship classes, and just uh, creating more awareness and sensitizing in the communities and society at large. Wow, that's great. So um, you work with um, young people that have uh, albinism, and is that a common thing? Um, uh, How prevalent is that? Uh, I get the feeling like um, that that isn't a super common thing, but maybe it is. Uh, how, How prevalent is it? Well, out of out of hundred percent, I would say in Zambia it's sixty percent of persons with albinism, and twenty percent of persons with vitiligo, and so which creates more uh, discrimination and stigmatization because people do not see these people around. So it's rare that you come across a person with vitiligo or albinism, and this is how much rare it is in our country. Yeah. Well, you're. Um... You, you appear to me to be a, a rather young person, I guess, compared to me, who's starting to feel like I'm not uh, a young person at all anymore. But you started this organization when you were pretty young. Can you tell me, like, what drove you to start uh, an organization to help young people with albinism? Okay, so growing up with my sister in the community, um, different was never in my vocabulary or language because I saw everybody to be like me because we are all humans, right? Before race, before tribe, before culture, we are all humans. And so we lived with children with albinism. These were twins, actually. They were actually our neighbors and nobody in the community would play with them, if I tell you, and it was that sad and bad because these children really wanted to go outside, but their mother couldn't allow them because she saw that the world is not that safe for my children and so the only children who would play with them was me and my sister because to us it was more than the skin it was 
uh, above above everything that people looked at them as and so mothers would come to my mother and say why don't you stop your children playing with them don't you say our children don't play with them your children are going to have children with albinism one day or they're just going to wake up and be a person with albinism and so my mom would always say look a child is never born knowing discrimination or knowing how different somebody is and so i don't see any difference by my children playing with them and so we continued to play with them because we also didn't see anything that was wrong with them at all and um we also got the discrimination at the end of the day but um we didn't stop playing with them i didn't like the fact that society would leave them laugh at them for being who they are i mean nobody chose to be born the way we are i mean nobody at all even if i was to ask anybody else nobody wants to be born the way they are but we are born in it and so we need to live with it and being discriminated by it makes somebody so miserable and lose self-esteem and lose themselves and i didn't want them to be like that i wanted them to know that there's somebody for them and a friend to play with and so yeah that That's inspired amazing. me to start so- the organization yeah, that's that's an amazing thing. So at a very early age, um, you weren't like most other young people. You weren't um, willing to tease other people. You weren't willing to mock other people or bully other people. You were um, always looking to see who they were inside and not necessarily what they looked on the outside. Where did you get that from, Tabella? Uh, where where did you get that? Um, that 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 ability to have such a, a unique perspective at such an early age when when we're when we're young we're usually looking at ourselves and we're trying to find people who are our peers and we're trying to match ourselves with peers who look like us or act like us you were like beyond that uh, at a very early age where did that come from well, I feel humanity is not taught. If you are human, you are human enough to take another person as a human being and accept them for who they are. And so uh, apart from my parents being good parents and showing me how it is to respect and accept everybody for who they are, I believe that the role was to me or on me to now take people as they are and respect them as they are. And I've always believed that despite anything, we are all humans and everybody needs to be treated with kindness. No human being is illegal and that is what I believe in. And so let us leave people to live at peace with who they are. Society makes these people hate themselves simply because we have a description of how a human being should look like. And so, to me, I, 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 I stand to take everybody for who they are and respect everybody for who they are because we are all humans at the end of the day. Wow, what a, what a beautiful perspective that you have on life and what a, what a better world it would be if we could all um, live by your uh, lesson. You said humanity is not taught. Um, can you please help me understand that a little bit better? If, if it's not taught, where does it come from? And what if people don't have that perspective? Can they learn that? Of course, being human itself makes you a person who needs to understand another human being. You need to know that, oh, this is my own beautiful, and that is their own beautiful. And, oh, this flower has got a different color. Also, a human being needs to have a different color. It's not everybody is going to be the same. Now, imagine a world had all the same tapelas, right? We have different names from different countries, but we're all tapelas. 
it, it wouldn't make sense if everybody looked the same. And this is why there's a secret why God made everybody different. And humanity has no excuse. As long as you're a human, you have room to change. You have room to treat another human being just like you. And let's remember, albinism and vitiligo uh, albinism is a genetic condition. And so imagine if you don't know your genes and you have the genetic uh, condition in you and you have a child boom with albinism. Now imagine how you would feel if the child is being treated the way any other person with albinism is being treated. Now this is where you need to learn as a human that I need to treat people equally. You do not have to be taught, but it should be in your consciousness to treat people kindly, with kindness. This is why they say treat people as you want them to treat you right and so everybody deserves kindness yeah oh gosh uh, yeah, there's so much to unpack there's such good stuff such wise words I'm, I'm thinking about when you said like part of your condition of being a human is to see the humanity in other people that may not be exactly what you said but ultimately i think that's the definition of love right is to to yeah. to see another person as if you see them as part of yourself and that is so hard to do um but yet you seem to have this um gosh in, innate ability it just it's coming through i can feel it it's just it's oozing through the microphone um that you this is something you've always had you're you're a strong person and not only do you believe this but you're out pushing it and and practicing it and trying to do what you've got as what I would believe is a gift to be able to benefit other people. So it's, it's interesting when you're talking about like you were playing with these young uh, twins that had um, albinism and, and parents, other parents would go to your mom and say, don't you know your, your children shouldn't play with them? They're going to catch that. And, and your mom would say, no, no, that's not right. And I imagine as a young person, did you have friends and classmates who would do the same thing to you? Like, would they tease you about playing with these kids or did you, did they not know you were doing that? Or? Well, because for me, I, I grew up in a home in this space where I felt like I'm loved and I felt like I'm perfect the way I am, I'm okay. And so sometimes because I'm short, and I would be the shortest in a room or classroom or anything. And so I was bullied for that. They would call me names like Koi Koi or San People, you know. But to me, I dealt with it because I felt the love from home first. And I dealt with it before anybody else. And to me, nobody would bully me. And now imagine being born with albinism. And in as much as your parents would tell you, you're beautiful, you're this. And you go back to school and you feel the difference. Because look, every and each day, a person with albinism is either stared at or somebody spits in their shirt because they see a person with albinism passing because of their beliefs. Or when you see them, you spit in your shirt, which doesn't make sense to me, you know. Now, imagine you're a person with albinism and you face that or your child faces that. It's pretty hard. It's so harsh. I can't imagine facing that kind of discrimination. You know, I, I am, um, I guess, in so many ways lucky in terms of privilege. I've got, you know, I'm a, a white, straight uh, man, and I, I, I've never really faced that kind of discrimination. And I, um, I can imagine how unbelievably difficult that must be. Well, I should say, I can imagine. I can only imagine how it, intimidating and, and awful that must be and how that goes against fights any kind of self-confidence you might be trying to build up just gets pushed down right away um when when stuff like that happens 
And so I um, give you so much credit. So you started this organization. How did you start it? What did you do? Did you say one day, okay, this is it. I'm going to start, um, you know, helping these young people. Or was it, um, did you have more of a structured way that you went about it? Or how did that come about? Well, because I believe in doing things formally and legally. And so um, I first started doing the community works, reach outs and all that. I'll try to educate people through communities. And sometimes I just go start walking and find children coming from school and ask them, hey, do you have a child with albinism at your school? But because if you use the word albinism, they wouldn't know. And so you just have to give a description, like a child with white hair and they're white, you know, that's the only way they could know or understand you. And they'll say, oh yeah, we have one or two. And I'll get excited and say, okay, I'll come to your school. And I'll go there, write letters and say, I want to come and give a talk i want to visit these children i want to see them i want to see their families and that's how i kept on growing it and just immediately after school in 2017 i formally registered it because in zambia it's really hard to operate an ngo or any other business or anything related to organizations without having the legalized papers so i i believe in legalizing everything and so i just said okay let me get into it i legalized it for, formally registered it and we started running on board it was hard because i didn't have an office but I kept on going as time goes by people kept on coming and we had more members joining. Yeah. And so do you recruit other people to help or do you have volunteers or do you hire staff? Uh, how do you, how do you make that work? How did, how did you get it up and running? What did you do? Well, for four years now, we still do not have official funders or sponsors. We only have well-wishers who come on board. And so it's really hard to have um, professional people in the organization because anyway, we have nothing to give them and nobody would want to work for so long without being given anything. Oh. So we yeah. have an open door to the volunteers. And these are young people who are willing to make a difference in society and not only in one sector or one area, but they are really passionate also about people who are different and um, the diversity of society and they also want to make an, an impact in that uh, space. And so we allow them to come through and help in any way. If we have any program, any mentorship classes, they come through and also help and learn to, even just learning how to interact with a child with albinism, it's something that you need to know because if you just come at them like, hi, it's going to be weird because nobody does that. And so we have these classes to teach volunteers and just members of the community on how you can speak to these children because look, they're dealing with mental issues and you need to talk to them because they've been stigmatized for the longest time. And so, yeah, we have young people working with us and members too. Wow, that's, um, that, that, is, that is interesting. And um, I just give you so much credit for uh, diving into um, a field that it seems like there's not a lot of work being done there. And um, you're really a pioneer in many sort of ways in terms of uh, taking this on. And um, I I'm gonna look back at this someday, my interview with you and think about how lucky I was to talk to you when, I, when, I, when we know the world is gonna be clear of, of any discrimination against uh, people with, with albinism because of the work you're doing. And I, I, that day can't come fast enough because nobody deserves to be treated differently just because of the way they look and because they might have a different skin pigmentation than the rest of us. That is no reason to treat them any different. And, and it is about humanity and it is about love and um, wonderful things. 
Well, you know, we're going to just um, uh, take a little short break, but when we get back, I really would like to, uh, you know, get a little bit more of a deeper understanding about what gives you a lot of hope and what gives you a lot of uh, trepidation about um, working with young people. So let's just take a short break and then we'll be right back. No matter how you support our young people, YIPA has your training needs covered. Visit yipa.org, that's yipa.org, to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy to access exceptional trainings. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certification training. Annual memberships are just $99 for individuals and only $250 for your entire organization. Visit yipa.org today to learn more. That's yipa.org. And we're back with Tapella Banda. She is the founder of Zambian Albinism Matters Organization in Lusaka, Zambia. Uh, Tapella, uh, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, the idea that, um, that you started this organization and um, it's been going for four years now, but um, there's gotta be days when you are just energized, when you feel really good, and really hopeful, things are going just as you hoped. You see young people are uh, making progress. What gives you hope and keeps you going? What gives me hope is knowing that a child out there through our organization is being helped with their self-esteem uh, and that they have somewhere to look up to and they have they know that there's a backup somewhere even when i can't speak for myself there's somebody who stands up for us and be and and just stands up and breaks the silence for us and breaks the stigma for us and educates people about my condition and that gives me hope on itself and seeing a child go back to school with albinism seeing them having spectacles on a, a, a pair of spectacles and say auntie tapella i can see clearly or having them uh, write in a book and say hey my book finished or I, I i have more books because you bought me books that makes me happy and knowing that i'm giving hope to somebody out there through the organization that really overwhelms me yeah and do you feel like that you're gaining traction or are i should say are more people becoming accepting of these young people well, I wouldn't say people are becoming accepting because either way, discrimination is always going to be there. And standing as an organization, our aim is not to put zero stigmatization. That's pretty much impossible. And so our aim is to bring it to a less number of people being ignorant about it. At least we're going to point out and say, we educated you and it's now up to you to take it up to you to start accepting these people. It's not now that these people are no longer being accepted or they're being more accepted. I can use the word it's now been a usual thing it's more like oh it's no longer unusual people are more becoming um that it's no longer very rare people know about it and they hear more about it and so that's pretty much it got it that makes sense so you have realistic goals and it is going to change a lot it's going to take a long time for people to um become more accepting of that but if you can educate them and give them facts and give them the reality of what it is, then it's up to them, right? It's that, it's what you're saying at the yes. beginning of the show about 
humanity. It's up to them to um, see the humanity in that other person. Um, and that, that's really uh, a, a great perspective that you have about being realistic. And then also, um, you know, you must have young people come up to you and feel really comfortable with you as a person. Um, do you have any stories or do you have any um, examples of uh, young people just expressing their gratitude or their happiness with you? Um, can you share any of that? Or? Yeah, most of the times when we have campaigns, we have a campaign which is called Re uh, Check on Him and Her Campaign under the organization. And we go in schools where these children don't know, they don't expect us to be there. But we talk to the uh, school premises and talk to the school uh, headmasters and all, and we visit these children. And you'd be so shocked at how they would react when they see me or see their other team members. And it's just really amazing that other children wouldn't understand, but to them, it means a lot. It's more like, you don't know how much it means when I see this person, you know? And to me, that overwhelms me when I see a child so happy and gives me a hug. It, it tells me that I'm doing something right in that really fills me up and it keeps my fire burning. Yeah, I bet. And there's nothing more gratifying as, as being a passionate youth worker to have um, that connection with a young person. And when they come up and they share <laughs> moments of things like that with you of, of being happy or being content or feeling happy, um, that's got to uh, be really uh, rewarding to you and, and to keep you going and to make you feel good. Um, I noticed, is there a way that if people wanted to learn more about um, your organization, um, do you have a website or social media that they could go and look at? I, I'm pretty sure you have like a Facebook page. Is that right? Or Yes, sure. Because everybody's on their phones and this is the technology generation. Yes. Yes. And so we, we are all on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Zambian Albanese Matters Organization. You can follow us and see our works and reach out to us if you want to work with us too. Well, that's great. And when you have those campaigns, hopefully you can reach an audience um, uh, worldwide to get people to pay attention to that because what you're doing is a beautiful thing. Thank so you. it sounds like it goes pretty well, but I got to imagine some days um, there's uh, days when you feel frustrated or you feel uh, overwhelmed or you feel like, um, gosh, people just aren't, no, no matter how much I educate them, they're not accepting of, of, of these young people. What are those days like when you have a lot of concern or frustration? Sometimes it is that people don't believe in you. They think you have selfish desires or intentions behind you doing that. And honestly, when it's coming from a pure, genuine heart and intentions, it is heartbreaking and saddening because why would you do it for money when you've come so long with these people? You've sacrificed a lot to see change. And so it's disappointing to see that some people would question you bringing change in this world or making a difference, that you're doing it out of uh, anything else selfish desires and so that's heartbreaking and sometimes it makes me so angry but hey there are always going to be people like that and we need to take note of that and understand that yeah it's a it's um, amazing that people would would see that there's an ulterior motive here or think that you're doing it just for money or for selfish reasons I, that's that's amazing to me um do you, you must carry a lot of responsibility with this um i can tell that this isn't something that um you just turn on and turn off. This is something that is, 
your organization is who you are. Um, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Uh, what's it like to carry all that responsibility? Well, as a young person, it's really hard, but to me, I'm always grateful because not only am I a mother to the organization, but I know that somebody relies on me and I have something to wake up to and look up to and to take my life serious. Either I play and not find any funder or any sponsor for these children. And so it makes me serious and chase my goals and chase my dreams to become the person I want to be and to see the change that I want to be. There's no sweet without sweet. And so we need to work. And it makes me somebody who's really mature and take life serious. Mm -hmm. So you have you, you can't find this main sponsor and that gives you a lot of um, uh, reason to be concerned because if you had funding or you had a big sponsor, you could probably probably be reaching and helping more young people. Is that correct? Sure. Our aim is to reach out to more people in the rural areas. And so once we get that, we're going to definitely do that. They need us more than ever. And they also need everything that people get within us and those who are close to us. They also need that because the rural areas, this is where a lot of things are happening. And so we try to reach out in the uh, interior outskirts of Lusaka and Zambia. Yeah, I got to believe reaching out to like the more rural areas would be really difficult because the population is, is more sparse. Um, it yeah. takes more, more people to be able to connect with them uh, in that sort of way. So good luck with you on that uh, endeavor you. to find your sponsor and to, um, to, to have an impact. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really been uh, amazing to get to know you and to um, have the ability to, to feel like how much you deeply care. Uh, it, is, it is just astounding. Um, I, I can't imagine, uh, you're, uh, we're, as we're recording this podcast, you and I can see each other. I know the listeners can't see us, but um, you're, you're, you strike me as a young person. And I think that um, your uh, future is, is so bright. And I think about the things that you're going to accomplish in your lifetime. And if you could stay focused on, on helping young people, um, I just watch out world because you're going to make an impact and either you're going to help thousands, if not millions of young people. And it is just wonderful to, to meet you. Thank you so much. I'm so humbled and I meant to that. Well, it's true. And um, so we just have a couple minutes left, um, but can you leave the listeners with some words of inspiration or wisdom um, that you would like them to know? Okay, so the world does not describe you however you look, wherever you are, whatever you do or where you come from, the world does not describe that for you. It doesn't guarantee you to be that person. Be who you are and be who you feel that you want to be. Let nobody come in your way. Do what you're supposed to do. Stand up for what's right for you and make that difference. There can never be any other person like you. And probably you would live your life regretting, thinking I would have, I could have, I wished I did. And so you don't want to do that. Please stand up, do not hear what people say and do what you're supposed to do because there's somebody out there who depends on your voice and depends on you. Keep speaking and keep in the light. Thank you. Well, that's a perfect way to end uh, this episode. And I'm just, again, so grateful for the work you're doing and 
please keep up the work and uh, please stay in contact. Um, I, I would love to watch you uh, change the world. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of The Passionate Youth Worker. I'm your host, Paul Munir. If you have a passion for youth work and would like to be featured as a guest on The Passionate Youth Worker, just visit us at yipa.org, that's Y-I-P-A.org, and click on the podcast tab and send us your information. This podcast was made available in part from the generous donation from M Health Fairview. We're grateful for their support. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Please join us again for The Passionate Youth Worker.